0: to the Next in Tech podcast, where we profile early-stage, homegrown, Canadian tech companies that are changemakers and disruptors in their respective industries. I'm your host, Sutan Sukumar, and my guest today is Corey Gross. He's the co-founder and CEO of Sensible, a company at the forefront of digital banking with an AI-powered smart receipt management offering. Corey's a history grad from the University of Western Ontario, where he also trained as a lawyer before becoming a technology entrepreneur and founding his first company called Smart Slips, the predecessor to Sensible. Corey, welcome to the show.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Sensible was founded back in 2013. You've raised over 46 and a half million US in growth equity to date. Your team sits at about 65 employees across offices in Toronto and London, with plans to ramp further. And you have already clients across North America and the UK, ranging from Tier One financial institutions to community banks. And that number has been rapidly growing. Uh, so, very impressive business momentum. So, Corey, can you touch on your journey here and, and how you got here. You know, what initially brought you to found the company? You know, what were the core problems that you were trying to solve for your customers And And out of curiosity, what type of surprises have you had along the way?
1: Uh, yeah, so, you know, early on, what inspired me to start the company was just the everyday pain that uh, customers, consumers have in managing their day-to-day expenses. And, um, you know, I was a Mint user. I had used a number of personal financial management applications to try to get, um, my household spend in order. But what I was actually looking for was something far more granular than letting me know how much money I was spending on a particular category, a retail category. I was looking for something that would track, um, expenses at the product level. And in particular, I wanted something that if I needed to have a receipt on hand to claim a warranty or return a product or submit an expense for reimbursement or have all my donation receipts for tax time, that was all, um, available. Um, and, um, and, and and usable for me, and the places that I was left to look were solutions um, that were tailor made for small businesses and accountants, and I was I was neither of those. Um, and so uh, what I what I thought was was valuable was to have a consumer solution for managing um, their expenses. And um, so my my first play at this was to go to the retailers and try and. Uh, incentivize them to issue digital receipts to people, and then possibly I could have a place to host and manage uh those receipts from you know online and mobile uh, I found that you know getting um getting a retail network um, uh, effect like started and and growing was was a monumental task in and of itself, and so um I was kind of inspired by some, um, some happenings going on in digital banking and, and digital payments, particularly in the realm of um, of mobile wallets and mobile payments to kind of look at the bank as a, as a potential partner in helping uh, a solution like this get to mass market. And, uh, and that's kind of the way Sensible was inspired to start. It was a value add to uh, mobile payments and mobile wallet applications that banks were developing. So that you would not just be able to use your phone to pay, but you'd also um, be able to use it to uh, store your loyalty cards, store any gift cards, and, and send gift cards to people uh, managing coupons or offers that you were uh, provided by retailers. And also to manage your receipts as you collected them um, digitally and, and obviously through traditional paper-based uh, means from from retailers you shop at. And so, uh, and that's kind of what, what kicked off the company was was the the bank as a partner for getting this to be a, a mass consumer solution. Um, throughout the years, obviously, you know, the bumps there there are many bumps um, in the road for any company that starts with a with a vision um, that you know is as preposterous on day one as we are going to provide a consumer based receipt management solution built in your banking app that everybody will find valuable and useful. Um, and uh, and the first one was I would say uh, well selling to banks and working with banks can be very challenging, but what happens when a large technology company or companies like Apple and Google and Samsung say no we're going to own the wallet space and we're going to own the, the mobile payment uh, space and banks uh, deprioritize investments there and that was your primary go to market, so we we had to kind of um, uh, retrofit our our, um, our positioning and value proposition to extend not just to those people who tended to be um, millennial and uh, fairly tech savvy um, in in using a mobile wallet solution, but really open that up to mobile banking customers and online banking customers at large, be they consumers, small businesses, high net worth, et cetera, that would find value in in receipt and expense management. And so that's kind of one of of the first positioning changes we took and, uh, and obviously we've grown from there.
0: Okay, great. So, how would you describe the, your core product offering that's in market today?
1: So, you know, fundamentally, what we are is an API service. Uh, at our at our heart, we provide a um, uh, think of it like um, Plaid for uh, receipt management or receipt data. And so, what we can do is allow a customer at a financial institution to um, access. Uh, Our first capture, of course, um, receipts they get from brick and mortar stores and from online retailers uh, and then manage that uh, receipt data, those expenses in the context of their uh, banking. So now instead of having maybe a third party app to go through all of your expenses, what you're doing is you're going into your transaction history and you're seeing, um, you know, a transaction on Amazon for sixty seven dollars and forty nine cents. And you can actually now uh, click through that and see all the item level information. So the product offering is um, receipt and expense management built into uh, mobile and online banking uh, offered in um, uh, via API um, or through a mobile SDK that uh, banks can integrate with their mobile banking app.
0: So it's obvious that AI is a core component of your platform. How are you investing in it? And how is AI and machine learning really enabling your product roadmap and and strategy going forward?
1: So we've been kind of, um, uh, you know, before AI companies were cool and people were pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into any company that had .ai as their uh, their company name. We were kind of using uh, supervised machine learning to extract and structure receipt data. Um, and and the, the reason for why we did that was because receipts are a very unstructured document and every retailer has its own receipt format. Every category may have variations of how uh, data is uh, displayed. Even individual POS offerings to retailers are heavily customizable. And that goes down to you know what gets presented on the receipt. So we knew that if we created a templated approach to identifying and extracting data from a receipt, it would break down at scale for sure. And, and so what a lot of the historical OCR solutions would do uh, for check capture or invoices is they would create templates so they can know where to find, you know, date and total and um, and, and, and merchant if it was applicable. And they could repeat that because the um, there, there's not a whole lot of variance in the way checks and, and invoices are structured. But receipts are very different, and so for that we look to supervise machine learning and you know LSTM and other um, and, and other approaches, so that we can build a, a solution that can extract data from any receipt, irrespective of merchant category, region, you name it, currency, you name it. Um, so that's that's one way that we've implemented it. but we've also been able to use um, machine leaner, machine learning for is to um, identify uh, you know, gaps for when we are uh, to measure our accuracy and how we could get better. So, we developed a suite of in-house tools as a way of uh, of measuring um, our success and improving our um, uh, our extraction and and structuring accuracy. But of course, you know, I think where everybody kind of looks to a company like Sensible uh, for its application of AI is all right. We've got you know this great data set of SKU-level and and item-level information that can uh, be captured from receipts. Now, how are you able to uh, build segments and micro-segments of customers so that the financial institutions that ultimately deploy and offer your service are able to better serve uh, those customers because they understand their needs and preferences more deeply? So it's one thing to be able to see that your customers are shopping on Amazon and Shoppers Drug Mart or CVS and Target. You know, lots of people do, right? Um, to Be able to actually see the kinds of products and brands that they are uh, voting with their dollars on allows um, a bank to educate customers about financial services and products that might be especially applicable to them based on their stage of life and based on the way um, they they like to tailor the financial um, uh, uh, their financial picture. So. That's uh, that's kind of what's what's what we've been executing on and that's where a lot of our roadmap on the AF side is geared towards the segmentation micro segmentation and ultimately surfacing that data um, to uh, to the customer banking relationship.
0: Okay, I think that's pretty interesting. So it sounds like you're really capturing a lot of unique and rich data sets and insights within the platform. How are you guys leveraging this internally and is there potential for any adjacent or third party uh, opportunities here.
1: So so, yeah, I mean, what we uh, what we ultimately use our data for is to improve our, uh, obviously, machine learning. You know, the more data, uh, good data in, uh, the better the quality of the product will be. Um, as it relates to adjacent opportunities and other verticals and industries, one of the things that we value very deeply is the um, trusted relationship between financial institutions and their customers. So uh, what we would... What we we heavily um, promote internally is the need to respect that relationship and to leverage whatever insights we derive to specifically uh, be provided to the benefit of the consumer and the end customer. So in the case of identifying insights about an individual uh, consumer's purchasing behavior, Providing that data to the customer so they can make better spend decisions and life management decisions, to me, is a great use of the data. And it's it's a kind of use that you as a consumer who are kind of faced with all kinds of applications and companies that leverage your data for personalization, you're already kind of warm to that concept. You know that Netflix tailors what you should watch based on your prior activity. You know that Amazon surfaces product categories based on your historical purchasing and browsing behavior. Um, You know that Uber does the same and on and on it goes. The the big tech companies that leverage data as a way of optimizing your experiences is is kind of a well-known practice. Um, Banks have not been able to leverage this with great success or in some cases at all. And so for a consumer, it probably feels more like a missed opportunity than something they would feel is alien uh, to them. And for financial institutions, being able to leverage this data to, um, I'd say, Amazonify the banking experience to both educate and service customers is right in, um, is right in the kind of sphere of relevance. When you, when you think about how big tech is now trying to leverage all the information and preferences and segments that they're able to extract from their customers as a way of providing new products and services to them and, and innovating on top of what they already have. And so we want to be able to bring a lot of that into the relationship that is sacred and trusted between the financial institution and their customer and not kind of use it for third-party purposes. It's not kind of our intention to um, to violate that trust.
0: Uh, so Corey, can you talk about how you look at the market opportunity ahead and, and how has COVID-19 influenced your business and your long-term strategy?
1: The goal of partnering with or continuing to partner with financial institutions, big and small has not changed. Um, what COVID does is it probably for a lot of companies selling into you know, major enterprises that are being faced with a situation that is foreign to them, as it is for everybody, is that things are gonna slow down a bit. You've got um, large institutions that have tens of thousands of employees that are now remote uh, working and they have to get used to a new way of doing business. Um, You've seen volumes of customers migrating to digital channels that um, have been completely unexpected for a lot, uh, for, you know, for a lot of institutions. So they have real mission critical um, uh, items to address and issues to address, and so obviously, you know, digital innovation and transformation is key for that but it's all got to be placed in um, a queue of what they need to, uh, to service and support their customers uh, first and foremost. So that's going to lead to some expected slowdown for companies like us, not just like us, but, you know, not just us, but but companies like us, um, but we were, you know, we're happy to say that, you know, we're still seeing, um, um, you know, multiple banks signing with us on a weekly basis, which is exciting. Um, and, uh, we think that the growth opportunity isn't just in, you know, adding more partners and financial uh, uh, institutions, but obviously in providing more services and, and products to both the consumers that we ultimately serve in partnership with those financial institutions. And like I said before about um, insights in a way of better, uh, of providing better segmentation, those are all, um, you know. POCs that we're running now, and that we believe will be able to productize um, in short order for uh, for our partnerships. So it's not just about expansion, um, you know, with more uh, institutions. It's about you know expansion with the partners uh, partnerships we already have. Uh, we have a presence in North America. We have a presence in Europe, and I think we'll continue to obviously grow our base as um, as restrictions lift and we're able to. Um, we'll be able to diversify our, our attention a little bit more.
0: Okay. Okay, good. So you touched a bit on how you're expanding your platform and offerings for the new normal. Um, so maybe just to build on that, uh, what have your customers been um, been doing different or been asking for since the pandemic hit? I'm you know, curious if you're uh, seeing some potential for new use cases on the back of everything.
1: Well, I think the the first, there were, there were a couple aha moments that have come over time um, that. Uh, just make um, intuitive sense for people that, um, you know, know their, the, um, the way banks acquire customers and that there are a little bit, there, there's a, almost a black and white way of identifying customers who are business customers or consumers. And so one of our aha moments came from identifying, you know, a significant number of, of, uh, of receipts and expenses that were captured from the consumer banking por- uh, portfolio as being business expenses. And so that level of granularity allows a customer to, uh, or allows a a bank to provide a whole different um, experience for consumers that ought to move into business banking. They may not be aware of the the services, the features, the products available, the support available. And um, what that obviously allows the bank to do is retain that customer. Um, there's there's a lot of um, there are a lot of uh, of fintechs and there are a lot of um, uh, of, of challenger um, financial services uh, organizations that would probably look to acquire that type of customer um, or, or or steal them from the bank or certainly um, uh, chip away at them over time by providing services that the bank hadn't been and now the financial institution knows that this person might be an independent independent contractor or a consultant or a gig worker, they might be able to um, strengthen that relationship in a more proactive way and try and win back an account that they would have otherwise not even known was at risk. So that's, that's, you know, a way that we can help. Um, And I think that now more than ever, um, people are looking to their financial institution to provide relief to them um, when, you know, circumstances beyond their control Um, uh, interrupts their ability to live a stable um, life as a a business. And so being able to identify what you would call, you know, very reliable and very trustworthy customers and extend microloans or extend other products and services that might float them um, while they're trying to get back on their feet on the other end of a a pandemic or or other financial um, crisis is um is a way of keeping that customer loyal uh, and not having them turn to a fintech that is much more um, uh, you know ready to uh, to provide them support so those are the types of things that we we look at um, and, and obviously there's much more but um, but th- that, those are some low-hanging um, uh, fruit that we've been able to go after
0: Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like banks have had to embrace a lot of change uh, in this environment. So it's good to hear that you guys are playing a, an instrumental role here in helping them embrace that shift. So very interesting to hear. Um, Corey, I wanted to touch on your business model next. Uh, now, Sensible has a unique b 2 b to c uh, type model. You've obviously signed a growing roster of major partnerships, and you've touched on the role of these part uh, the role of these partners in terms of how they play in driving go-to-market and user adoption. Uh, maybe can you expand on your more recent partnership with J.P. Morgan Chase? You know, what attracted them to your solution? How does that fit within their strategy, and, and is there a notion of ROI around these partnerships that banks are are, are looking to deliver on?
1: Yeah, um, so you know, J.P. Morgan Chase um, announced with us uh, about a month or so ago, and uh, that they would be rolling sensible uh, expense management and receipt management out to their thirty-eight million uh, consumers. Um, that were active mobile banking users um, over the course of the year. Uh, we've completed that rollout, so we are in um, about 38 million phones right now. Uh, what inspired them to offer this was, you know, like like many institutions, they've been looking at ways of providing um, experiences to help people manage their money uh, and obviously to give people um peace of mind as it relates to, um, you know, key pain points for them, tax time, uh, being able to organize um, receipts as a small business for reimbursement and for reconciliation. Um, so there are some key pain points that they wanted to address for the consumer, ones that I mentioned before, and their strategy of, and I, I'm really, you know, speaking, um, you know, I can't speak for JP Morgan. I can speak to the conversations that, you um, Uh, that we've had more broadly uh, with banks like JP Morgan that are looking for ways of, uh, of course, innovating uh, for the end user and identifying ways of proactively learning uh, about their needs and their preferences so that they might be able to, um, like I said, create a much more personalized uh, financial services experience for them. Uh, but we went through the same process with J.P. Morgan as we would with any any large FI, which is you get you know a heavy amount of diligence to make sure your stuff works, to make sure that you're battle tested and ready to work with large institutions, that you are um, that you have a history of delivering results. Um, and we we obviously have uh, a number of institutions we work with globally that we've seen great uh, great results with. And the notion of ROI is really kind of um, uh, generalized uh, for certain uh, solutions like ours, and I, I kind of I don't want to lump us with you know PFM or or chatbots or any of these um, types of solutions. But I'd say generally when you're investing in innovative va- um, you know solutions that have historically been called value adds, I would I would argue now more and more are going to become you know uh, mission critical as a, as a way of of retaining customers. Um, you're looking for um, creating digital engagement showing the ability to to create stickier customers, uh, demonstrating the ability of increasing uh, conversion and making spend in other areas, um, uh, whether that be marketing, education, um, more effective. Um, And and I think what we've been able to show is that um, our conversion is is quite high, um, that our customers are very satisfied with our service and come to rely on it a great deal. And so um, whether it's JP Morgan or any large institution, they have business cases that are proprietary that take a number of these types of factors into account because they don't just spend money on any solution without hard business cases. Um, so, um, so what I can say is that you know we're we're happy with the partnership. We're excited to see where it goes. And I think that what JP Morgan does for the industry and for financial institutions, big and small is act as a lighthouse for um, solutions that are very important to deliver for customers, whether it's sensible or other. Uh, and that it's important to continue innovating for the customer and not losing sight of the fact that um, they, are, they are the reason that uh, you, you're, you do this stuff, is to, is to help make financial lives um, a little bit less stressful.
0: Got it. So just uh, back to your business model, how does monetization work today, and and um, and how has your business model kind of evolved over time?
1: Yeah, we're you know we're we're in enterprise SaaS. I think that you know in B two B two C, uh, it is truly a, a partnership where you're trying to deliver value on the on the per customer level, and um, and the financial institution wants to see value per on a on a per customer basis. So you're you're really aligned in trying to drive. Uh, engagement uh, together as part of the overall partnership, and so yeah, we we're able to grow our um, uh, our revenues as our financial institutions are made successful, um, as the consumer finds value in it. So it is a it is a, a true B2B2C enterprise SaaS uh, in that way, and so yeah, we we are. Um, you know we are we are we are tackling something that any for any company that's in B two B two C knows can be quite challenging to execute, but um, I think that when you have strong partnerships, when you have a service that resonates with the end customer, um, and when you are um, really passionate about um, about the uh, about the value that the solution can bring to, uh, to both parties, um, you're able to make these solutions successful. And there are, there's plenty of examples, not just um, uh, broadly in enterprise B2B2C, but in fintech and bank tech, where um, whether it's a, a company like Personetics that provides personal financial management, and consumers in partnership with financial institutions, um, or, or others like that, um, you can be successful if you have a, a service that resonates with the end customer and you have a willing partner that drives, uh, that, that, that gets value from that customer's enjoyment of the service. So that's uh, that's how we win when they win.
0: There are a number of players in the digital receipt management space, Corey. Who do you consider to be your primary competitors, and how do you differentiate yourself? And there's uh, been some high profile takeouts in your space already. I'm kind of thinking of SAP and Concur a while back. How do you see the industry evolving going forward here?
1: Yeah. So uh, on the competitive landscape side, um, you know, I I personally don't see ourselves directly competing against SMB. Um, expense capture players. Uh, I certainly don't see us right now competing against the likes of Con- Concur. Um, we ultimately um, serve as financial institutions. They are um, the uh, they're the stakeholder that we we truly do want to make sure that we're doing a great job for. They're the ones whose roadmaps we sit on. Uh, they're the ones who make decisions on uh, competitive uh, solutions and offerings. The first. Um competitor I'd say we go against is um financial institutions that have historically wanted to build stuff themselves right and completely own the experience end to end and we have to demonstrate why we are the better uh bet uh, both because we provide you know a stronger um, uh, technology solution, which you know in the world of AI and machine learning uh there's a lot of value and uh proprietary Um, uh, you know, proprietary um, knowledge in in just the data that you've built up in order to make uh, the machine learning go, right? And so uh, that is is something that we bring to the table. We also have built experiences that are very easily integratable in the flows of mobile and online banking. And that's something that we uh, pride ourselves on a great deal. And then obviously, we have a history of servicing and supporting institutions, big and small, which makes us um, a compelling choice because it's expensive to do that even when you spin it up internally in a financial institution. There's the one part about building this, which you would get a services part of the organization to do, then another part of ongoing maintenance and servicing um, that, that banks ought to, and I think they, they, they've largely come to this, which is we're in the business of banking and some of them fancy themselves as technology companies and that's great, but to build a bunch of technology businesses within the bank is uh, a far more challenging thing. And so, where we tend to find ourselves in competitive scenarios in financial institutions is with incumbent um, technology providers to the bank. Um, but I, I believe that we're highly specialized, and I believe that we are um, usually in a place where um, you know the kind of company and solution speaks for itself. Uh, in terms of the um, the longer term uh, view of how this market consolidates, or stays fairly fragmented based on uh, the various customers that they serve. There's been a lot of consolidation uh, with obviously Nexonia and Chrome River and Tally and Certify that have kind of come together to take on Concur, which you know, like I mentioned before, is kind of servicing the enterprise um, um, expense management world that we, we currently kind of don't see ourselves in that space. I think we cater to um, consumers and if anything, more entrepreneur, um, gig worker-like segments. And, and yes, there are independent contractors and consultants um, that use our service. They prefer to use our service than an expensified perhaps, because it's also free and, and offered by their bank, which they trust, to take care of their data um, responsibly. Um, but um, we, don't have, uh, we don't have any plans to take on sort of the robust ERP and expense reimbursement um, uh, you know, platforms that exist at those at those levels. So I think that there will be certainly consolidation, as you've seen uh, from the enterprise expense management world. But I think, you know, there's a lot of companies right now that are trying to solve the needs of gig workers and micro-businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, and um, And they've all been, you know, fairly successful operating independently, whether that's here in Toronto with companies like FreshBooks, um, and uh, and obviously Wave was recently being acquired, but still for a long time, you know that and that company wasn't acquired by you know um, an expense management company or anything like that. And they only you know, work that puzzle. I think um, you know a lot of these these businesses are doing quite well because they they are solving um, very relevant uh, needs as the as the rise of the self employed is uh, is a real thing for the economy here.
0: Okay, great. Corey, I think we're up on time here, but I just want to say thank you for taking the time to share the sensible story. It's clear that you are a market leader in your space with a disruptive tech platform. So it's great to see this momentum that's underway in your business today, especially as digital transformation starts to accelerate in the banking world on back of the whole pandemic here. So it's good to see these trends start to take shape. I look forward to following your journey closely. Uh, thanks again, Corey.
1: Thanks very much. Appreciate it.